Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like a Dell. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This is episode number 236, and I am your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. And I'm host number three, Dr. Corey Petty. And And I'm a non-host guest, uh, Ray Redacted. Yeah, so we're going to bring you on because this episode you were a part of for the interview. And since we're kind of changing the format of the show specifically for this uh doozy of an interview figured we bring you on to provide a little commentary outside of talk it. about our f- our fifth guest host who's our fifth guest host oh cello's right. cello's nips if only our sixth guest host was cold air conditioning it'd be a party and cello is cello is shirtless in texas because you can do that there for some reason it is uh, 71 degrees, so that's how my winter Christmas is going. All right, so uh, how do we want to do this? Let's see. How, how much how much do we want to talk on the front end? Because there's a good amount of people who are listening to this episode who never have listened to us before, specifically to hear this interview. Well, I guess I can start because I'm the one that acquired this particular guest, and this I think it's this is almost like a... What's up? This particular individual. So it's idiocracy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a PSA because it's it's very difficult in the space to kind of separate the flowers from the weeds because all you can do is you have a white paper, you get a spokesman, and then you get like $100,000, and then you can represent a company and lie to the public. And then there you go. You have a crypto scam operation. So no one thought that Ronnie who was a stock analyst for 20 years was someone like this. They thought it was somebody that you could trust and people pay money to this guy, serious money, like a thousand dollars to receive tips. Uh, in, I don't even know if it's inside trading, but it's like tips about stocks and crypto and you get newsletters and it's he not kind of, trading. you can't, we can't, we have to be very careful with how we say things in this episode. I didn't know if inside trading laws has bled over into crypto, but I mean, if you're getting tips it, about crypto and stocks, what's the difference? It hasn't, but it's taboo. And we, him, we can't even say inside trading. He provides, like he provides analysis on various things. And then his subscribers basically get that analysis and make decisions based on what he recommends they buy. Yeah in various markets, you know, you know, it's, and he, he splits those across multiple markets and then gives, yeah. and then gives ideas, uh, about how much money to put in that particular bucket relative to all the things, the rest of the things in that bucket. It's, it's, it's like an investment subscribership. Now I don't support let's these just, types of things, but like that's, that's his job. It. Let's simplify it for 2018. He's an investment influencer. 
he has influence on investments because he at one point in time did a lot of research and people bought into that research. And now if he says, Hey, go buy gold, there's a large likelihood that people that subscribe to him are going to go buy gold or whatever he recommends. So he's an investment influencer. And a little bit more so than a public figure D because uh, Ronnie has between 1500 and 3000 subscribers that pay $3,000 a year and when you pay a lot of money for a subscription service, you're more likely to take that advice. And, it's, and I think there's a difference between him giving you tips and tricks. I think the this drama is surrounding he was paid to shill a scam coin, which was dig. That's that's the that's the like proposed like I guess, a scandal that people are accusing him of. And yes. there's a lot of back and forth on whether or not that was actually true. And we, I guess we wanted to bring him on to get his side of the story while, while also asking like reasonable questions someone would ask that's involved in such an accusation. Yeah, and I just want to clarify that, um, Marcello. I actually wouldn't go that far. I actually think that he has a very loyal base, had a incredibly successful pick factor, somewhere between 18 and 40% outperforming the crypto market if you used his picks, but he pushed this one really, really, really hard, mentioning it on Twitter 378 times in a period of seven months, talking about it on every interview. He went on to the point where podcast hosts were calling him Mr. Dignity Coin, posting pictures of alleged data centers. And so a lot of the things that people said, hmm, this doesn't smell right. The idea that there's a vault in Bermuda with $15 billion of gold doesn't smell right. A lot of that was kind of overcome by the fact that it had this massive, what I would almost call celebrity endorsement, so to speak, uh, based on how he was kind of talking about it. Yeah. And like you said earlier, when you're paying that much money, you assume a certain level of due diligence um, from yeah. the advice coming to you. And I, from my opinion, and I'm not going to spend too much time talking about this on the front end, uh, that assumption is retarded based on <laughs> this interview. And if you bring that up, and we covered that in the interview, he's going to tell you, well, I can't do my due diligence because I work 17 no, 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 hours no, no. a day. Let's not like put too much of a lens or bias on the interview and let it speak for itself. Okay. All right. Well, without further ado, go fuck. No, here <laughs> he is. All right, hey everybody. This week, our guest is Ronnie of Standpoint Research, top twenty ranking in this industry. He's an expert in the stock market as well as uh, he's very familiar with the crypto market, of course. Uh, a little background: he kind of puts out notes on a daily basis to his subscribers, which includes you know crypto recommendations. So obviously, you know people pay you up front depending on what level of service they want, and then you provide your business model in the form of expertise. Ronnie, you've had a week, and I, I think that's putting it lightly. You know you're. You're no stronger, stranger to going viral with your Bitcoin price target, so on and so forth. But I think you meant to say a year. Uh, maybe a year. Uh, I was just putting it lightly. In a rough year. That was very light. Was yeah. In a rough year for everyone. But it was this past week that like kind of caught a lot of our attention and, and wanted to bring you on the show. And, uh, you know, we wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of explain in your own words the events that kind of transpired. So, you know, I, I gave you a little introduction. I kind of want to give you the floor. Uh, perhaps you can give your our listeners a quick overview on who you are and, and what's been going on. Well, uh, like you said, I have a top 20 ranking for, uh, versus 4,700 people in the stock market for my performance the last 20, the last 10 years. 
Uh, I've put out more than 700 recommendations. Every one of them was timestamped intraday by at least three different newswires, including Dow Jones and Bloomberg. Uh, I've given more than 100 television, newspaper, radio, and magazine interviews. And I've been a headline speaker at conferences around the world. I have uh, 45,000 people uh, following me on Twitter, and a few hundred of them hate my guts. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's quite the, the resume you got there. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the elephants in the room, why do those few hundred hate your guts? Why, why, uh, well, why do you, well, you know... You know, let's just say, for example, um, let's just take LeBron James, for example, okay, the basketball player. Everyone knows who he is, right? Uh, if he was going to make his political views public, his jersey sales would drop by 15% overnight, okay, depending on which side he was taking. And that is the way a lot of people with big followings on social media and celebrities are. They are cowards. They are afraid to speak out. On behalf of those who have no voice, they are afraid to take a stand on political issues because they're afraid that it will cost them money. Uh, I am not that way. If I lose half of my business, that's okay. At the end of the day, I speak out on behalf of people that have no voice. And if I feel that something needs to be spoken, I speak without making a financial determination on whether it makes sense for me or not. Um, uh, I'm also Jewish, Israeli, liberal, outspoken, and I've been putting out recommendations just in the last 10 months. So a lot of people are looking for a punching bag and someone to take their frustration out, and I am an easy target. Yeah, but Ronnie, uh, this is Ray, by the way. Uh, the reason that people are mad at you is not because of your political views or because you're Jewish or liberal. I'm sure there's a couple are. But let's really face it. I mean, the, the stellar research reputation that you guys have had for years. It's not standpoint. we. No, no, it's not we have had. It's a one-man operation. It's me. Okay. So, so that reputation, which was absolutely stellar, has been somewhat questioned in the last couple of weeks because for the last year or so, you've been telling us that Dignity Coin was an absolute winner and that you had due diligence and you had Bermuda and everything else. And now it's very difficult for people who, who – entrusted you with that information to hear that that was not actually the case. Do you have a 100% batting average? Oh, not even close, Ronnie. Not even close. Okay, I so, would love to have you. So is it okay that I make a mistake every once in a while? It absolutely is. And I think you're getting fairly beat up. Could you not have been sucked into a situation that made it to the floor of the Bermuda Parliament and had what? a dozen people on their board of directors. I visited their facilities in Atlanta, in Toronto. I went to Los Angeles. I spoke with the COO for four hours in person on the 4th of November. More than 1,500 text messages, phone calls, emails, WhatsApp messages, and meetings for sure. 18 months. But when, sure. but when my three main contacts there are not telling me what their real names are, that's a problem. Sure. And I, just yeah, no. out, and I just found out in the last two weeks that Jamie Goldberg is James Lee Goldberg, who had a, a work history that included five um, um, firms that got shut down by FINRA. I found out that Stephen Braverman, with a V, 
was really Stephen P.H. Lance Braverman, who also was with five firms that got shut down by FINRA. I found out that Tom Ronk is not really Tom Ronk. His name is Tom Carter Ronk. He's Jamie Goldberg's partner, and he was just charged by the SEC on the 28th of September with securities fraud. Casablanca Mining. Okay. Yeah, so, Ronnie, it's unraveling, okay? We, we understand it's unraveling. I get it. And nobody's blaming you for being wrong on a call. I think anyone would love to have your track record of good calls. What my point was, was that your subscribers are upset because they saw you as impervious to this kind of scam, okay? They saw you as being from the normal stock market and a little bit more cynical I, I and skeptical. I don't, I don't, wait, I don't, know who you're, I don't know who you are surveying, okay? I have 3,000 subscribers. I have 300 or 200 people that are making a lot of noise because they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. You're talking about five to 10, five to 10 percent of my subscribers are complaining. A lot of the complaints you're seeing are from people who are not even subscribers of mine. They piggybacked off of this dig recommendation on Twitter, and they did not get the 100 pages that I wrote on this name during the course of the last year. Okay, all right. That's fair. That's a fair criticism. But I'm, that's all I'm trying to point out is that fact. But I mean, I, I actually remember last year when somebody had said, is this a scam? I remembered you said this couldn't be a scam because they spent millions and it only cost 40000 to pull off a scam. Do you remember saying that? Absolutely. And I just found out today, you know, I read the white paper 17 months ago. Do you think I remember every word that was in that 40, 50 page white paper? Yeah, but Ronnie, it says in the white paper that the investors are paying for mining equipment that belongs to them, not the investors. That's a pretty big miss. I'm sorry. What what did you say? The, The part of the white paper that you brought attention to today was, oh, I missed this passage in there where they said that the ownership. It's not that I missed it. I read it 17 months ago and I've asked. Jamie Goldberg, several times in recent months, where are you coming up with the money to pay for the mining equipment, for the golden hands for Mandela, for the the facility in Toronto? And he says we have high net worth investors that are backing us. Okay, now I realize that it wasn't, now I realize that there probably weren't high net worth individuals that were backing them. I realize now that it was my subscribers that paid for all of this equipment, and they probably are not out of pocket at all. In fact, not only did they help themselves to the money my subscribers bought the dig with, I need an investigation to take place to find out whether they were helping themselves to that piggy bank on Livecoin that they were managing. You have to understand, you have to understand I work 17 hours a day seven days a week. I have 75 open recommendations right now in crypto and in the stock market. I have four websites. I haven't even had time to update two of them in three years. I have many charities that I support. I can't do background checks on every single person at every single company that I'm recommending. And people have to take responsibility for their own actions. I told people not to put more than 1% to 2% of their net worth into this name. But they sure. didn't listen to me. Hey, so Ronnie, let me just ask a totally different question. Because on Tuesday, you said that when the original report came out, there was an $80,000 fee, and they tried to pay you in tokens. Yes. And you said, I can't take those in tokens that would be a conflict of interest. I don't want to deal with a conflict of interest in the token payment. 
Right. But then you took then you took forty thousand of it in tokens and forty thousand right. in cash. Right. How is eighty thousand a conflict of interest, but forty thousand isn't? You know, it's all it's all the way people perceive it. If they gave me eighty thousand dollars in cash, I could have bought eighty thousand dollars worth of UNY the next day. All right. So you're splitting hairs here. I've, I've in twenty years, I took money from one company and I didn't even attach a recommendation to it. DIG, DIG was the second time in 20 years that I agreed to take payment and it was not, I was not selling them a buy recommendation and I was not putting that report out to the public. They asked me to write a report that would be used for their internal use and their internal use exclusively. I okay. said I would like to reserve the right to share this with my subscribers if I see this going in the direction that you told me that it is going. It collected dust on my shelf for seven months. And then on the 8th of February, I saw this name move 1100% in one day from two tenths of a cent to 2.4 cents on $500,000 volume. And I said, holy shit, something is going on here. This could be the best idea I had in 20 years and I'm sitting on it. And that so February I, pump, that February let me finish, pump made you finish. Let me finish. So I had an impulsive reaction to share the report with my subscribers. The company was completely blindsided by this. I didn't I gotcha. even let them know that I was putting the report out. And I told my subscribers, listen, I have a name here that I've been sitting on for seven months. I don't have everything that I need in order to put my stamp of approval on it. But I'm afraid that if you wait until I get everything that the company is promising me, that I've been waiting for, it's going to cost you 10 or 20 times more money to get in versus if you go in today when there is still some risk and uncertainty involved. Anybody that thinks that I would recommend a name to my subscribers that I didn't believe in 100% either doesn't know who I am or they need to get their head examined. That was less than 5% of my annual revenues last year. And it's already cost me between one and two million dollars year to date, direct and indirect damages. I but no, so Ronnie, that, but hold on, minute, the February one minute, one minute. I posted a screenshot yesterday at eleven thirty at night, showing three million DIG in my portfolio. I am cracking down really hard on them right now because of information that came to my attention just in the last two weeks. I know that they're getting ready to pump this up on major exchanges and my 3 million position is going to be worth a million and a half or $2 million if I remain silent. But I said, no, I am not going to make a dime off of this. I have received disturbing information on this company that borders on criminal behavior and I am not going to stop until they are wiped out. Even if it means my 3 million position becomes worthless. I will not let them pump this up to 20 or 30 or 40,000 people on other exchanges and add those victims to the list of my subscribers. So, but hold on, I'm gonna back up a second. So you're saying that the February pump that came out of nowhere and was completely unexplained was the reason that you decided to get the word out to your subscribers and further pump this up another four or five X. Is that right? I no one told you why. No, 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 no. I didn't try to pump anything up. I go to 3,000 subscribers. You're going to 3,000. Listen, the reason I released the paper, the catalyst that caused me to take this report off the shelf after seven months was seeing it move 
1100% in one day. I felt that that was an insider buy and I decided within a few minutes to jump on it because I was afraid it would run away from me and, and run away from my subscribers. I had okay, something so you- that I wanted. I had something that I thought was going to help my subscribers and I decided not to keep it to myself. So you saw an insider buy or what you thought was an insider buy and it didn't occur to you to call them and ask them about it? They're your customer. No. no. Well, doesn't that kind of put you in an awkward position legally? What are you talking about? If you saw what you thought was an insider buy and you decided that your subscriber it's base that pays you 3000 a year. It doesn't have gonna... to be an insider buy. It's just someone someone knew something and it could have been anyone. It could have been anyone of dozens of people. It could have been someone from inside the company. It could have been a friend or a relative of someone inside the company. All I know is I saw this thing trade $500,000 in one day. It jumped 1,100% and I started to jump on it. Right. Totally on that. Have you, in your 20 year career, have you ever been misled or threatened implicitly the way that they are treating you right now? Because I'm looking at you like you're definitely the victim in this situation. The most horrible situation I've ever been in in my life. I am 100% innocent. I have, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. I was lied to. I was misled. I was taken advantage of. I was taken for granted. And they basically used me as a pawn in what looks to me to be a really sophisticated scam operation, okay? Everything that I, you know, 27th of November, I bought 440,000 of this. Up until two weeks ago, I still thought this was legitimate. But a lot of information landed on my lap in the uh, last two weeks, and I decided to flip from a 75% confidence level 180 degrees to a 25% confidence level. They're not answering my questions instead of apologizing for misleading me, which ended, which caused me to mislead my subscribers. And instead of answering all of the questions that they've been avoiding, they threatened me implicitly and explicitly three different times, three different people with legal action. And I told them to go fuck themselves. They hit me with a cease and desist letter yesterday, and I completely ignored it. I am not going to stop until these people get shut down and thrown in jail. And I've already started speaking with law firms regarding a class action lawsuit. Are you able to comment on the fourth person involved? I know it was James, Troy, Stephen. Uh... Okay, the fourth person, is his name is, I know him as Tom Runk, T-O-M-R-O-N-K. What I knew about him, Jamie Goldberg told me that was his partner in the Whopper Artificial Intelligence System, W-O-P-R. Tom Monk, I met him at Jamie's $6 million house a few months ago. I don't know where he came up with the money to end up in a $6 million house because six months ago, he was in a $3,000 a month rental. But I met Jamie at this $6 million house. Tom Monk was there. Jamie told me this guy is amazing. He spent years building this artificial intelligence system that has an amazing track record. He poured millions of dollars of his own money into it. And he used to be involved in a business partnership with Harvey Pitt, who was the ex-SEC chairman. How could you get any more legitimate than that? Do you know what I found out last week? Tom Ronk's real name is Thomas Carter Ronk, and he was charged on the 28th of September 
with securities fraud, Casablanca mining. They also slapped him with a charge of misrepresenting the artificial intelligence system that he has been trying to sell and what the track record is for the system. And the company never told me about Tom Monk's SEC charge. They never told me about the fact that Steve Braverman had five firms on his resume that were expelled by Jimmy. And they didn't tell me about the five firms that James Lee Goldberg had on his broker check report that were expelled by FINRA. They've been stringing me along for 17 months. And it didn't, it didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize until a few weeks ago what was actually going on. I never, none of this, none of this came up. None of this ever came up. Yeah. None of this came up when you were on the $80,000 due diligence report, right? None of this thing. I think I counted 11 different legal offenses that you just rattled off there. None of them came up. What happened is the first time I met Jamie, he started the conversation by saying, I just want to get something clear right off the bat. I do have a stain on my resume and it's from 30 years ago. And I said, okay, it wasn't a deal breaker for me. And I took him at his word and I never did a further background check on him. I didn't even know that his name was James Lee Goldberg until this morning. Well, what was the stain? If somebody told me they have one stain on the record, I would definitely want to know what the stain is. It was some, no, he told me what the stain was. It was something that was, you know, really, really widespread back in the 1980s and early 90s when there was not a lot of regulation and brokers were churning, you know, client accounts and, and, um, and uh, you know, front running like they would hear that a big order is coming in, and they would jump in front of that. Uh, it was something related to the brokerage business. But he told me he had one stain, and it was from 30 years ago. He didn't there, tell me. I'm sorry. Is there any chance? Is there any chance whatsoever that these guys were front running you on the February pump because they knew you were going to put this report out? Absolutely not. They were completely blindsided by my report. Completely blindsided. A thousand percent. It completely, I'm a hundred percent sure they had no idea it was coming. All right. But I'm, so my question, let me go back to the 11 uh, criminal offenses thing. None of that came up ever before two years ago. This has only been in the last two weeks that this has been, been uh, made apparent, right? You know, you know, they, 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 Steve, James and Troy are very charming people. Okay. Charming in a way like Donald Trump is charming. Okay. And, all three of them won me over. You know, they said, we're all Jewish people. We're all from the same tribe. You know, we love what you're doing. And Steve told me he had a 35-year um, track record uh, in, in the, uh, tra- as, a, as a trader, 35 years. And, uh, he never t- and I never did a background check on him. I didn't even know until a week or two ago that his real name is Stephen Lance Braverman. And... I trusted him. I've never done background checks on anyone in 20 years. Uh, I don't have time to do that. My subscribers expect a name from me every week. Most of the names are generated by a 155 variable computer model that took me five years to develop back in the 1990s. Okay, so my whole point is that I don't have the time to do background checks on people. If I give you 50 names during the course of the year, I expect Uh, you to put 2% of your money into each of those names. And if one of them goes to zero, you won't even notice it. 
I agree. And you've said nobody, that so nobody, many times. Nobody, minute, nobody, nobody is stopping you from getting a second opinion on a name that I'm giving you. I never claim to cover all the bases in any of the reports that I write. <clears throat> nobody is telling you to put more than 2% of your money in a name that I explicitly told you not to put more than 2% of your money into. I, I, I just want to chime been. in for a second here. If you give us 50 names and you want us to put 2% in each of them, then you want us to do 100% of our money with what you're recommending. No, you're taking what I said out of context. If you have okay. a million dollars, okay, what I recommend to you is that you split that million dollars across stocks, cash, bonds, gold, silver, art, and crypto. And real estate, that's eight asset classes. So you're not going to put more than 10 to 20% of your money in any one of those groups. If you decide to put 20% of your money in crypto, and I give you 50 crypto names, you're putting 0.4% of your net worth into each of those 50 names. Okay, I just wanted to clear that, that yeah. up. Yeah, but, so, but, but, but Ronnie, you have said that over and over and over for years and years and years. However... On dignity, you were pumping them harder than any other. Because even like wait, wait, even wait, when you went, hold on, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Wait a second. Wait a second. Let me finish. Please let me finish. Let me finish. Hold up. Hold up. Stop using the word pumping because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Okay, I won't use that word. I never pumped anything. I won't use that word. I don't mean to offend you with that word. I heard you use it before. I thought you were saying the same context. But you 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 talked about this coin. Go fuck yourself. End the interview. And go fuck yourself. So, <laughs> well, that was Jesus. something else, wasn't it? <laughs> that was so. That was an interview, if you can call it that, with Ronnie Moaz. Do we need a minute um, to recover? Like, are our feelings hurt? Are we good? <laughs> I, so I'll, I'll, I'll be right back, uh, Mochello. I went to go fuck myself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I wasn't a part of this interview and I was and I clearly listened to it based on like what was said and how things went down because we had to like evaluate whether or not we want to publish this type of stuff or like push this type of narrative of the podcast. But like and I, I was and I'm I guess I'd say I'm more I'm more critical than most in terms of the, what the things we should say, she can't say, whatever. Yeah. And the questions that went down during that interview, because y'all were like, you know, Ray was kind of wondering whether or not he pushed it a little too hard so on and so forth, they were not hard questions. Like, none of it was any, any question that isn't perfectly reasonable based on the situation that people are being accused of. None of it. And his inability to answer any of it and, and, and replace it with non-sequiturs, like, just ridiculous shit that may have nothing to do with what we're talking about. He it was It was one of the most childish interviews I've ever seen in and it's like really hard for me to understand how people can wait a second wait a second let me finish yeah and i don't it's it was ridiculous and i don't understand how people don't see that well, when he interacts with people well that's the new style of um you're you're muted all right well, these these microphone is apparently not fixed so ray you're still here why don't yeah. we uh, like give us like like what you would say is like the timeline for those who don't understand what's going on? They're not like crazy yeah. dignity followers. Where this start? Massive amount sure. of people who are following this and tweeting us and so on and so forth. Sure. Just by way of background, guys, uh, Ronnie has a company called Standpoint Research. 
that has somewhere between 1,500 and 3,000 subscribers that pay $3,000 a year. So that's basically four and a half million to 9 million in subscriber revenue, according to his own figures, right? Well, one of the things that's fascinating about people that charge for their crypto picks is that their loyalists and their subscribers tend to be fiercely loyal, right? Fiercely defensive, because once you've actually invested that kind of money yourself, you don't want your guy to be wrong. Well, it turns out that until uh, Dignity Coin, Ronnie was actually right a lot. Okay. So he had a 50 crypto spreadsheet that if you picked only those 50, uh, you know, straight off of his 50 favorites, uh, you would outperform the market significantly until probably in the last few months, so to speak. So, uh, and again, he would always say that anything that wasn't on this 50 list is a total shit coin. Absolutely no alt projects are worthwhile unless they're on the spreadsheet, which was also kind of a questionable thing, but that's that's neither here nor there, right? So at any rate, so he has fiercely loyal followers and he came out of kind of out of nowhere uh, in February, February 9th, right after the February pump and started saying, this is the winner. This is the winner. He tweeted about it a little bit over 370 times. He mentioned it on every single podcast he went on. He posted pictures of their Atlanta data center and talked about how he was tight with their board of directors and was having three and four hour meetings with the people in Bermuda as part of this claim that they had gold bullion to back up $15 billion worth of investment. Are you with me so far, Corey? Yeah, it's all reasonable. So there were some red flags and occasionally people would pop up and say things like, how can there be $15 billion in a vault in Bermuda without a significant security force. Why have we not seen a building with 300 policemen? That's that's the equivalent of about 15% of what's in Fort Knox. So we might think that you might have like an army or something guarding it, but it was always put off very, very defensively. If you questioned any of the underlying premises, you were immediately blocked on Twitter and kind of blackballed, you know, on Reddit and everywhere else. I am so, now, I'm now blackballed for, for <laughs> yeah, I think so. anything whatsoever about this, by the way. He, so, he didn't. He didn't block the main podcast Twitter account, which I thought was interesting. Maybe he blocked to keep me tabs immediately, on us. and I was just like, yeah. hey, "Guys, I'm objective here. This is this is absurd." <laughs> well, he hasn't blocked me yet, but I'm pretty sure he has by the time that this airs. But <laughs> at any rate, so fiercely loyal folks. Now, people bought into Dignity Coin heavy. I mean, they bought in really, really, really heavy. So at one point, it was a fraction of a penny. Uh, this February eighth inexplicable pump that went up 1100% was the reason that Ronnie claims that he's decided. And this, again, these are his words that there was an insider activity going on or somebody knew something. So rather than pick up the phone and call his customer who paid him in tokens, I should tell you paid him half in tokens and half in cash. He decided I'm going to send this out to my 3000 paid subscribers and tell them I haven't quite cooked this yet because I don't have time, but this could be the biggest winner of the century. So I better get it in your hands now. And they immediately ran it up. So the second that that email went out, it went viral because he'd never really pushed one before. There was certainly no mention of the fact that he was being paid in tokens, which actually to me, that's not that big of a deal. I think most people that consult on ICOs are probably paid in tokens. I don't yes. know that much about it, but yes. Um, the only yes. thing that was weird about the paid in tokens thing is that on Tuesday, he said, they tried to pay me in tokens in UNY, which became DIG later. 
they tried to pay me in tokens and I told them, nah, I need cash. So you can give me 80,000 in cash because I don't want to have a conflict of interest. So I can't have a conflict of interest because one day I might recommend this coin. So it needs to be all in fiat, right? And they said, well, what if we give you half? And he said, okay, that's fine. So my question there was, <laughs> was if, if 40,000, if 80,000 in tokens is a conflict of interest, why is 40,000 not? Yeah, that was, you you asked that and it was immediately just like ignored. There was his well, answer, the answer was, I still don't know the answer. It depends on your perspective. That, that doesn't answer, answer anything, dude. That's oh, just exactly. first. I think we can all agree that nothing was ever answered during this. And here's what I here's what I the one of the things that really caught a red flag with me because based on the circumstances that I understand across this all of this, um, he could be, um, one hundred percent truthful. He could have been had. He could have been you know hoodwinked by this company and taken advantage of because he has this this very loyal massive following, right? From from the from the dick perspective. And there's, and, but he said, I'm one guy. I have all of these things. I've been doing all these things for so long. I, I have four websites. I have all these followers. I do a pick a week. I do all this. Like he's just pro, like prolifically doing all of these things. I don't have time. I'm a one man band. When you said, when you said your team or, or y'all or he, <laughs> he immediately corrected you with, it's just me. Now, 17 yeah. hours a day. He works if 17 you hours are a day. making that much money. And doing all of these things that and, and, and providing investment advice from other people, and you're not hiring help, especially when you're continuously building something and 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 talking about a single project, and you don't do any due diligence on those people, and you just trust them. I, I met I met him once. I talked to him for a couple hours. I really liked him. I, he said he had a pass, and you know I, yeah. did, I asked him about it. He said it was he told cool. Me he had an SEC violation in his past. Yeah. He told and, me he had you know, an SEC violation. That's cool. I'll just trust him. If you're doing that, that's your due diligence process with that amount of money and you're not hiring outside of it because you're too busy. Yeah. Who is investing in this person? Like I who, met him uh like what type of coffee. due diligence process that, is that? That was if the point I was trying to make. Professional? Like that's the most ridiculous level of professionalism I've ever heard of in my entire life. And it's in my opinion 100% not true. He's playing a victim. It's it's very easy to say. It's like it's just me. I don't have time for this. My listeners don't have to think. I'm I'm you know I'm hurting because I'm I'm doing so much good, and mm-hmm. <laughs> which he is by the way. Just FYI, I don't just give so a you shit. Know, like you, know, have, you have to take responsibility for the things you're doing. And if you're working making seventeen hours of a day, dollars, you pay someone to do diligence when when there's it's, millions on the line. Working seventeen hours a day, seven days a week though, that's a choice and that's a bad choice. I don't and give a shit what your choice is. Wait, no, but I, no, I'm backing up your point. Like, if you can't do your due diligence because you're working 17 hours a day, seven days a week, that's that's a choice that you're making, and it's negatively impacting your subscribers. And your subscribers, they're thinking that past performance is an indicator of future returns. They're going by his success record of 20 years and all that. But you're paying three thousand dollars for a certain level of, of of professionalism that you're that you're tapping into, you're tapping into his his supposed wisdom and ability to do due, due diligence that you can't do. He's not doing any of He's that, and, anything, is, and yeah. is displaying that with like open arms. I don't do due diligence, right? But like, Doctor Petty, I, I got to tell you though, I think unfortunately we're going to be seeing more of these in the future. This is the probably the first of many of yeah, these types. The, the of reason situations. why he was this is this is so big in my opinion, or like why it was so easy for him to be hoodwinked if he was, or just be a part of this, is that like he jumped into a market he was not prepared for. the The volatility and uh, shadiness of this naive crypto market is way bigger 
than the regulated you know uh securities he's used to sure and there are way more people maybe i don't know that are willing to go through a lot of uh more ridiculous things to try and take advantage of others in this market because it's not regulated yet so but the reason i want to point that out is because i think there are some pretty big lessons here and i'm again i'm implying naivety not not malice right i mean i don't really know which one's which but if somebody told you at a job interview at your job hey listen um i might have a little felony on my record during the interview process, wouldn't you go look them up and see what it was in their background? If they had five of them or one of them, or I mean, doesn't no, no, that be a red flag? Wild card, baby. Let it roll. <laughs> oh, okay. So I also, like, something else I really, really appreciated. I don't remember the names that he said, but I'm going to give you an example. Um, he told me his name was, 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 was Tom Smith. In actuality, his name was Thomas K. Smith, and he had this many records <laughs> on his record. Like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, that's not crazy. He just used his his full name, and he told you the moniker that he goes by on a regular basis. Like, it's not sure. like he wasn't hoodwinking you with a with a name change. Give me a fucking break. Okay. So, and, so, but and, let, me, let, me, let me say the other part of the story that gets a little bit funny. When it started to unravel seven or eight months ago, people would bring this to him and he would get very, very, very mad at them, whether it was on Twitter or in the press or even, you know, even on a radio interview. And he would say things like, this can't possibly be a scam because a scam only costs $40,000 and these guys spent 200 million. And I always thought that logic was a little funny. You know, that logic is like saying Ron Goldman couldn't be dead from 22 stabs because it only takes one stab, you know, to kill somebody or whatever. Yeah. And Dignity Coin, although it might turn out to be a big, huge scam, right? It might turn out to be one. It probably, in the grand scheme of things, may not even be the biggest one, right? Yeah. They, they had, we had a couple guys dressed in nice suits who were obviously chums with some people in Bermuda making wildly outlandish claims about gold bullion being backed up, okay? I mean, really, really, really wild. Like, beggars belief to even think that somebody would have that kind of gold. And also that they would tell you if they did, Right. Um, but a lot of people were falling for it. And I will tell you right now, if you look at Twitter, there's still a ton of people that stand by Dignity Coin and think Ronnie Moaz is purposely trying to, uh, to, to, to dump it now so that he can buy up even more. Because to further complicate things, he was buying new uh, Dignity Coins as recently as last week. He said it for the last two weeks, he was under severe concern. Okay, But he made a buy recommendation on December 5th. Okay, So in the middle of thinking that all of this is unraveling and it's criminals... He was not only acquiring it, but he was yeah. also saying that it's not a scam. So it gets a little bit dicey towards some of the details and the well, chronology around it. But what really, really is important, the most important part of this story to really focus on is that February 8th date. Because according to Ronnie's testimony on the interview we just listened to, he woke up on February 8th, having not spoken to anyone at this company for a year and saw their, they were pumping 1100%, okay, on a volume of a half a million. No, don't so, use that word. Go fuck sorry, yourself. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Go, <laughs> go fuck yourself. So this seasoned stock analyst with an impeccable track record has a due diligence report that he wrote for them, not for his customers. He wrote it for them. It's a paid product that they paid him for. And he gets up on February 8th and says, wow, I remember that coin. I looked at that coin, you know, eight months ago, nine months ago. Well, I wonder why it's suddenly up 1100%. You know, the best thing for me to do at this point in time is rather than call my customer who paid me $80,000 and ask 40, them 40, WTF, 000. right? 
Yeah. I'm going to instead tell my subscribers, hey, this is half-baked, but I spent a lot of time on it and did a lot of diligence because I did this paid report and I have a hundred pages about this one. And if you get in on it quick, then then I would hate for you to miss out on the future. Well, professionalism. That's a, that's a common theme amongst people that have his business model towards success is that if you play both sides of the fence and you make it gray enough, whenever it comes time for the rubber to meet the road, you can always go whichever direction ends up you with you being okay. You inoculate yourself with enough positive and negative. I mean, that's just what they do. They say they don't use very perfect. They don't use precise language when they're talking about different assets and they use just vague enough terms so that if something goes south, they're on the clear. If something goes north and they make a lot of people a lot of money, then they're the saving grace and the and the sage. Very clearly, they they did, he did tell everyone. He told everyone over and over and over, don't invest more than 2% of your money in this. Yeah, but it's the biggest we, winner of all time. It's the biggest one of all time. That's a, sur- that's a survival thing. Even we do that on our show. Hashtag no investment advice. Hashtag Tron. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hashtag no investment advice, right? Like, you know, don't do this or you're going to fuck yourself. But anyways, I'm so doing I, it. You about this. I can I, fuck myself. I like, there's about what's going on, 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 on Twitter right now. So there are a lot of Dignity Coin loyalists who stand completely by Dignity Coin and say, this is just completely false. This is, this is bad. There's another group of people that say, I invested my, my entire grandmother and my mother's houses and we put every single thing into this and we're going to be completely wiped out by it. And oh boy. We, we, we just can't believe that. And, and you know, a lot of really bad sob stories. And then you also still have a lot of Ronnie loyalists that are fiercely defending him and saying, you know, we, we stand by you no matter what. And you're seeing a lot of those because Ronnie himself seems to be posting a lot of those, I right? Mean, a lot of, a lot of emails. Are we surprised there's a tremendous amount of fanaticism in, in when it, when it comes with money? It's like professional well, football. No. I'm I mean, just like saying it's interesting to see which army you decide you're going to be on. There is a point that I want to bring up, though, is, is like, should you follow somebody who is so emotionally driven nowadays? The reason why this whole topic was brought to us is because there was traces of suicide or depression in his tweets. And he was kind of going off the rails with emotionally motivated uh, messages. Uh, it was posted yeah, in our Slack as that's well. That's a tactic. And, I mean, that, like, I, there's a, a, people who... I'm not going to say he is one of those people, but there are a, there's a type of people that will appeal to emotions because they know it works. It's incredibly effective. Yeah. It's a if you, if you can appeal to emotions effectively, then you can gain a following, a very fanatic following, very easily. Well, now so, hold on. You were at Super Conference last year, so you saw the keynote was all about feeding the poor, right? Did you guys see that last? I year? didn't watch any of the headliners because I don't support any of them at the conference. <laughs> okay, I apologize, yeah. but. Ronnie's big part of his talk, and I'm not going to say shtick because I think it's legitimate, is he has a feed the poor charity and he constantly talks about how income inequality in the rest of the world needs to be by crypto redistribution of wealth and by giving to charities, including his own charities, right? So by definition, if you're part of the, 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 I'm not going to say the cult, if you're part of the following, there's a huge part of you inside that psychologically thinks that you're also doing good. This isn't just about your own greed. You're also very much supporting these villages in Africa and things like that. Yeah, sure. Whatever. That's if, a political if that's true. I mean, it's like, I, I know, I know that people will say those types of things in order to build that emotional, like sentiment. Like it, he, he's, he's very good at making money. 
<laughs> and, there, and how he does it, I'm not sure. I do know he's very good at making money. I do know, based on based on that last interview, and that's just, if you take only that context and his inability to answer questions, he's either one of two things. Very good at lying and playing a victim, or incredibly incapable of doing due diligence on at the level he's supposed to be doing. I think anybody who looks like Wilson Fisk is good at making money. I don't know who that is. <laughs> okay, so but let me get back to the February thing. Okay? You, so February okay. happens. D, you get it. Yeah, yeah I okay. get it. <laughs> so the, the thing happens on February 8th, and it goes out to the subscribers, and it immediately causes a huge amount of attention to come on this project because it is now being talked about in Reddit. It's now being talked about on crypto. It's blowing up Twitter. And in response, the company says, we don't feel comfortable having this many people look at our assets and asking us questions. We, we feel like that this is too much <laughs> attention for us. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know they said that. And That's hilarious. The reason why is because they felt like Ronnie's work product was their property, right? They paid for it. Oh, and they, boy. It was their request. And That's they, hilarious. They were not prepared to show any proof. And this, this, what, this, is, this is more relevant to other projects than it is to this one. Because the irony about altcoin crypto is that you can get away with more if you don't ship product. Then once you actually ship the product, because once you ship the product, people are going to check your math. They're going to check the viability. They're going to look at the test net and all those other types of things. So they were not prepared to be able to deliver on some of the things that they had told him seven months before they would be delivering by now. Right. That's a tremendous amount of the, of, of, of the crypto ICO boom. Like you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of that right now. People who and, and are not able to. to... The winter is getting a little deeper, right? I don't mean to be skeptical about it, but when things get a little hairy, that's when businesses tend to shake out, you know, the scams kind of start to start to fall out of the woodwork, so to speak. Right. Yeah. yeah. So at any rate, so this, all this attention comes in, right. And on the very, very, very front line of defending this project was Ronnie. So he was standing in front of it and standing by it because he had told his customers or subscribers that, and he stood by it until as recently as December 5th, of this year. Okay. Let me, let me, let me clear the air. This is not speculation. This is, these are things that happened and you have like, these things can be backed up with proof. All the things you're talking correct, about. Correct. Correct. Okay. There's a, there's a record of it, but even when it unraveled to the point where it unraveled and it's unraveling now with cease and desist letters and lawyers and, and Bermuda uh, uh, parliamentary hearings, even then the warning that went out was not necessarily stop investing. Okay. And certainly not pull out. But hold the phones and, and I'm going to have some big breaking news for you in the next few days, right? Which causes a little bit of panic and it causes a little bit of, of, of concern. And so then now we have the Reddit detectives and the, hmm. the people that are doing some common sense due diligence using OSINT or open source intelligence for 17 months or so. They're now coming forward and saying, well, Joseph Smith was actually named Joseph C. Smith. And even though he had told them like six months ago, that's BS, this is what? wrong, this is wrong. Now he's saying, oh, Joseph Smith is actually Joseph C. Smith. And the guy who owns the, uh, the Scooby-Doo amusement park was wearing a mask. And it was <laughs> time for him to bust it, it up. It was Mr. Enough. Jones the whole time. <laughs> and, and I would have had it too if it wasn't for those fucking kids. And their so fucking now he's dog. going to become the largest <laughs> 
critic of the project, okay? Because human psychology is a weird thing. When, when typically when we're taken for a ride, we are usually extremely defensive that it didn't happen to us. That's that denial phase, so to speak. But once you actually reach the point where you realize you have been victimized or you have been wronged, I guess I should say, because I don't really want to use the V word or the P word mm-hmm. on today's podcast. But then now he's going to become the absolute enemy of this company, right? Which is, which, which is what's going on now. So there's a, there's a lot of threats. There's a lot of investigative stuff. There's, 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 he's uh, filing SEC reports publicly on Twitter, yeah. which technically you really, really shouldn't do that, Ronnie, but I'm not here to give legal advice, just like you're not here to give financial advice. Um, and, and posting all of these screenshots, right? Well, in the meantime, you've got all these subscribers that are kind of in the lurch and you certainly got coin holders that are in the lurch. Well, nobody really knows what the next step is going to be. Here's the thing is that there's, there's definitely this new communication strategy going forth. Uh, just in general call like the victim bully. You said that in Slack and that's just what it is. It's like, you're so aggressively the victim. It's really hard to communicate with you. I mean, we see it all the time now. We it's whether it's crypto, whether it's in, politics whether it's in sports it's everybody's a victim bully and that's just the way it is like hell we've seen it all the way up to the supreme court kavanaugh was aggressively crying at everyone like to the point where it was like (laughs) damn why are you aggressively crying at me like i just drink beer what the fuck man i was like dude you're a judge what this is a bit much like it was so aggressive if we could come out if we can come out with something that's helpful for people who are listening it's don't offload personal responsibility especially when it comes to a significant portion of your income and especially if if you rely on that income like if you're paying for something and you invest based on that based on the due diligence of that person if you're not continuing the due diligence if the money you're investing is a significant portion of your household income and it and you'll lose your shit if you lose that then shame on you like yeah and clearly like there's there's there, there is no excuse for that there are it's a sad story say, you know i think the thing that really kind of set him off to the very end was the use of the word pump but he had used that word three times during the course of the interview before i brought it up yeah right? but it was an just, it was an it was in a negative connotation that was not him yeah yeah but just like the term front running okay the term front running is a yeah. small yep. street term yep. where you know something good's about to happen so you get ahead of it i guess yeah. you could so you basically trade ahead of it when I asked him, is there any chance that those those people were front-running you, okay? Now, by the way, he just told us a few minutes ago that one of the people on the board had told him that they'd gotten caught front-running, right? <laughs> that was that was uh, exactly what the crime <laughs> was. And I said, well, was there any chance he was front-running you? He said, absolutely not. They were completely blindsided, okay? They were completely blindsided. So, and that doesn't really pass the smell test to me because we, we got to be careful because that's borderline accusatory. Okay. So I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to say anything about the smell test. What I will say is, is the word pumped is actually used in crypto in a bad way and a good way, right? The word, oh, pump, it's, look, it's a colloquialism at this point. Correct. It's yes. not a criminal term at all, right? No, it's just like shill. You know, do people, we jokingly say that term. Right? I guess I should, should have used the word shill instead of pump. Maybe that would have worked out better. You got to understand the transitions that crypto, uh, you got to take into account the transitions that crypto is going t- through and it's moving towards this little transition towards more institutional investment, more institutional uh, foundations. And those things are illegal 
Like that's we're moving from a point where it's colloquial and a joke to a point where it's taboo and then illegal, illegal by yeah, law. You're right. Or like the words that we've created as colloquialisms inside the crypto space are flat out illegal terms. Flat, in, in traditional ta- like pump and dump is illegal. Insider is illegal. Front running is illegal. So as we move from this fucking thing that neckbeards like to trade around and say, oh, it's crazy. Like I can I can put money inside of digital titties this is fucking great to holy shit this money actually is going to be um a part of significant macroeconomics like things need to change and we're witnessing that's why he got so upset he was like stop saying the word pump and i'm in the background like pump pump the jam that was something else yeah. i brought up in the interview his story, as he stated it just now in this interview, just now, was that he saw what he thought was insider activity going on. Somebody knew something, insider, right? And he wanted his subscribers to take advantage yeah, of it. He said that. He said that, that literally. absolute conspiracy. Like, if, you, if I know yeah, that there's fraud going on- It looked like insider trading, and I wanted my subscribers to get on that. Yeah, if that's I know there's something absolutely. fraudulent going on, and I'm trying to benefit myself or my friends by 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 joining into it, okay, that is really problematic. I can't imagine an attorney particularly <laughs> like that statement. Because here's the thing: is if it's pink sheets, it's less regulated, and shit like that happens. This ain't even pink sheets, buddy. This is this is we're not even on the pink sheet radar. It's so unregulated. Well, that's, but I you think do that's have a- people paying you money. Oh yeah. And, when they pay you money, they don't want you to engage in criminal activity. That is the basic, most basic business contract everywhere in the world except for Silk Road. Okay, yeah. this, is, this contract is null and void if it is illegal activity on either. Uh oh. Yeah, cut out. You cut on the last part there, cut but out. I think we got the idea. No, I was just saying, in every other practice besides Silk Road in the entire world, contracts are null and void if there's one side doing illegal activity. Oh right? yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know any legal advice, but that seems like a like a yes. That seems reasonable to me. I okay. So it's all ridiculous. Like it's we're gonna see. There's there's a lot more stuff that's gonna come from this. I don't want to spend my whole life into it because I yeah. luckily I I was not a part of any of this, and I feel really sorry for the people who put a lot of money in somebody who trusted them. I don't know if they didn't have the faculties to 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 deal with like his inability to do proper due diligence. I don't know if his inability to do due diligence or um, potential whatever he's into wasn't like easily as seen and this brought a lot of it to light. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so now well, they're able to like really evaluate what, what type of like person he is. But based on just like his tw- his Twitter following, I don't know if he's falling apart or he's always acted this way because I haven't looked that far back in the, in the past. But like if I were to spend $3,000 $3, a month um, talking to somebody or like getting advice from somebody and subscribing to them and they acted that way online I would immediately shut that shit down mm. there is yeah. there is no world in which someone should be like yep that's the kind of guy I'm taking advice from based yeah. on just 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 general behavior and activity and, and I'm curious you? like do, do, do y'all know if this is the way that he has always acted or, or this type of has. thing has brought it to light Cello, well, that's why that's that, why it hit our radar, right? Is because yeah. he was doing he was acting irregular, and then and we like, just, whoa! Just, just open the kimono. He has been claiming that he'd done a hundred interviews on multiple media channels, and no one had ever mistreated him the way that we just mistreated him on in that interview, right? That's his claim. However, Twitter is full of people saying he told us to fuck off too. He told me to fuck off too. He told oh, me to fuck off. Hung up on me. 
Yeah, someone told me that. So before the interview, he asked me what my first name and my last name was, and then said it was because he's interested in the country origins of it. But he's he's always well, that was asked a humble people, brag. That was called a humble brag. Well, I think it's a flat out lie because he's multiple people have said that they've asked for his first, middle, and last name as a vetting process, and he he just says, "Oh, well, I want to know the country of origin, or whatever, or whatever," as a way to get your full name. So if you disrespect him or you say something on record. He makes a note of it. Well, he so. also did want to humble brag that he'd been to the XYZ number. I've traveled back. to seventy plus countries, and, and I, I you know, I know a bunch that, of that things. Was pre, that was pre-recording, though. The that the part about how many Twitter followers I have and how many countries I've been to. Just FYI, guys, if if you ever run into someone whose first opening line is to tell you how many Twitter followers they have and how many countries they've been to, turn around and run, okay? Because that is not a <laughs> that is not a good sign. But those emails that I've seen, he does that in every one. Like, hey, I, I, I've done this. I'm in the top 20 of this. I've visited this many countries. Sure. I've spoken at this many conferences. Go it's fuck an, yourself. It's, it's, an, it's <laughs> almost like it's automated responses. Like, he's done that to dozens of people via email. Well, it's, it's, it's the same thing. I thought about, like, you know, I'm a doctor. I did a bunch of things. I've traveled. I've done a bunch of work in, in, in these things that you quite and quite understand. Quantum mechanics all over the place. It's it's really high-level stuff. And I, I if I had a couple months, I could explain it to you. But for now, just take my word for it. It's, it's a yeah. way to establish a level of legitimacy that's scary for other people. So I, I do want to say I do want to point out the, the the bigger lessons that aren't have to do with dignity coin, and that is you know in my cynical and skeptical mind we're probably going to see three or four of these unravel of this size in the next few months, and I do want to say the big lessons to be taken away from this is you know number one you should trust nobody. I mean when we talk about zero trust models around due diligence for your personal investments, you should trust absolutely no one. It doesn't matter if you're paying them if you're not. You should absolutely do your own research. And DYOR does not mean reading a paid newsletter that someone might have crypto coins of their own. And that's not research, right? So there were some signs and warnings on Reddit and elsewhere about this. And I would just say that we need to be approaching this with a level of skepticism. On the other hand, I work in cybersecurity. And I will tell you that there is a, um, a trend, trend to blame the victims of phishing, et cetera. And I'm, I'm really resistant to that because some of the most sophisticated investors in the world can get taken as well. Yeah, I've seen some of the tooling being used to try to grab credentials and such. And it's, 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 it's not crazy to see real people who understand good practices to still be hoodwinked. Sure. I, would, I would say that just like with most things, um, it's relative and there's dependencies, right? If, if, if a market is extremely risky, don't trust anybody talking about it. If there's, there's other things that are relatively low risk that people impart their money to all the time, people's 401ks, people IRAs, people have fina fiduciary financial planners that they're like, hey, I'm just going to give you this pile of money. Yeah, I have one. I do that. Funds. Yeah, and I, I have one as well. I'm going to give you a pile of money every month. You put it in the mutual funds. And in 35 years, if it didn't work out the way we talked about, well, fuck me, right? That's that's basically, <laughs> that's basically how that goes, right? And so it depends on the level. Now, what, there, what we've always said, hashtag no investment advice, is that cryptocurrency and blockchain technology is a risky investment, but an investment nonetheless. Innate. It has innate properties of an investment. You put money in it, it grows or it shrinks. And the last lesson I wanted to say we could take away from this, by the way, guys, is historically on this podcast, you've always asked the guests to describe Bitcoin in 10 words or less so that you've eventually collected those into an award-winning book that they can get on Amazon. Award-winning? Uh, 
Um, I would say if we're going to get told to go fuck off and they're going to hang up on us. Maybe we should ask that question at the front at the very beginning. That way you kind of get it on the record. Nah, because like, we should, he, put, we him should, in we should put him in the next book and like, he just like halfway through the question, we cut that off and it's just go fuck yourself real big on it. Yeah. Well, I, I will stick, I'll stick by to what I said, you know, Ronnie, if, if you're listening to this and you want to give this another shot and give more clarity to the people that are following you and provide more answers, and you want to have a cooler attitude, uh, you know, you should have did some due diligence on what we're about. We're not an easy platform where you can just shill and talk. We're going to interject yeah, with our own opinions. Yeah, so that's, that's certainly the case. Uh, and that, and that, that probably is his fault. And that, um, and this is something you, you said previously, Ray, is that the majority of the time he is a keynote speaker in a lot of places. He's used to the idea of people inviting him on so that, People can gain from his wisdom and they just give him the stage to talk and talk and talk and they don't question what he says and if he would have done a modicum of research about who we are and what we do by listening to a single episode he would realize that that's not the case here we we ask questions we interject our opinions we dig a little deeper depending on like if something doesn't feel right or we don't quite understand something and it's not it's a conversation it's not a stage to talk about something. So Marcello, if you're, would that invite that you just extended to Ronnie, would that also be an invite to the people from Arbitrate or from Dignity Coin or even, you know, some of the, the, the user groups or whatever? Would you like to hear from any of those guys? I don't know how much time we want to be spending trying to yeah. be investigative journalism. <laughs> now, there, now it should, I guess, we should hear the other side of the story and we'll ask similarly objective stories, but I don't want the next 10 episodes to be about this nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I, I have, there are more important either. things about this space that are important that people should Here's, learn about than, than this. I just, I just know Ronnie's listening to this whole episode. Of course he is. It's oh, about he's him. He's doing, he's just walking around whatever my, the hell house he's in just with his fist, his, his fists clenched like that. What was it? Arnold? My worst nightmare is that we've said a lot of things and we've created this mountain of what you would call Corey attack vectors uh, for Ronnie and his quote unquote ghost team, because he's only sleeping seven hours a day and working 17 hours a day. Yeah. I have one thing to say about that, Ronnie. Um, if it's all you, why the fuck were we talking to your assistant for a week to get that interview? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Who's that? Who's that guy? Is he a fucking ghost? Is he? Well, <laughs> he missed out on getting into our Pulitzer Prize winning book, like Ray mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I didn't say Pulitzer. I said award winning. Oh, okay. All right. I gave it a special blue ribbon. So don't you want to mention that your book is still available for Christmas if, if people order today? It's totally yes. uh, Amazon's going to drop the ball on that. Yeah, if you just oh. Google describe Bitcoin inside, I'm oh, sorry, not sorry. It's a, no, it's a verb. If you search uh, describe Bitcoin and Amazon, it's the first thing that pops up. Yep, it's got three reviews, all five star. What, not what? paid in any way. Three now? Oh, yeah. oh, I want to look at the third. Let's read them. Let's read them. I think one of them oh, is well. Ray's, so we should read his. <laughs> um, Ray, I'll, I'll read uh, the newest one. The book is as solid then as it is now. Blockchain haven't even come close to the surface. Buckle up for the big things. Uh, this is magnificent, pure, and needed. Five stars. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. I will tell you guys, it is a light book. So even people that have never even heard of Bitcoin before can just kind of flip through it, right? And that's kind of that's kind of makes it user friendly to uh, to the non crypto people. Well, and I would love to do an audio book uh, where we have commentary on like people's responses and who said it. That'd be fun. Maybe in the future. 
man, let's send a book to Trevor Noah on the Daily Show. Could he'll throw that thing in the garbage immediately? You do know that's that's like PO Box one one eight CC the Daily Show. <laughs> it'll like it'll never see, get to never that. There's there's so many interns there and. Crypto is just as exciting when it's near the bottom as it is when it's near the top. Maybe one of those interns will say, hey, Trevor, I know you talk about shit. Here's this interesting book about pure responses to what people thought about that technology that you fucking bashed when it was at the height. Now it's at the low. You never know what happens. Listen to Trevor Noah. Fuck it. And Colbert. Dimitri, did you just say that crypto is as exciting at the bottom as it is at the top? Uh, because when it's at the bottom, you start to get a lot of Paul Krugman's that come in and like, I told you economics has told us before. And you just get this negative swath of, you're getting labeled a maximalist in the slack, you know, because you were, you're way too positive. Like if I, if someone says something bad, you're like, well, it's bad because of X, Y, Z. It's like, you will not accept any negative criticism. We all feel the burn. Like, don't get us wrong. Like, we all like. Yeah. We've all had a, a, a good amount of money in crypto, and then watched it turn into not a good amount of money. Uh, well, and I think you know, like in my case, I had a I, once upon a time I had like forty five alts, and they all ended up back in BTC. And in hindsight, they probably should have stayed in BTC. A lot of them, anyway. Oh yeah, we we, we, used to, we had we had this really cool like arbitrage bot running uh, that basically traded between uh, Ether and Bitcoin. And I think we put a certain amount of Bitcoin in. And then when we were done, we had like half the amount of Bitcoin. <laughs> and, uh, and we, we were all like, we were kept watching it. Like, I think it's doing a good job. I think it's doing a good job. And like, no, <laughs> it wasn't. It's like, just. On the other side of the planet, there's another bot that's like, holy shit, yeah, look at this yeah, bot. Look at this bot. Yeah. I can get him. Well, there's like, a special person listening right now. It's going to be sad that, that that ended up being the result of our botting. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Your bot has feelings? <laughs> no, the person that we're talking about understands how those things work really well and is upset that we perform so negatively on it all right so is that a riggedy wrap yeah we can wrap it up if you are interested in this uh we typically so this this episode is a bit different we usually have a longer roundtable up front where we just you know shoot the shit talk about what's going on uh, we should cut to the interview, wanna... and at the end, we'll usually do like live call-ins. You cannot get yeah. in on those live call-ins unless you are in our Slack. So if you'd like to join in on that type of stuff, wait, join the Slack. I want to defend myself, Cello. Maximalist here. I, get I didn't call myself. you that. I didn't call you that. Someone in the Slack is... What? I, one, I generally have a positive outlook on all things. All right, I'm That's a Kenshi Cheese fan for 20-plus years. I have to have a positive outlook on things just to survive. Now, my reasoning for having a positive outlook on the crypto markets and Bitcoin especially is because we've seen this before, but we know the fundamentals of the technology and we know what it's trying to do. And those forces don't just go away. There's 21 million units of a very sound money. And it's proven that it can be used as money, but not well. So as long as people keep working on the technology and it gets to a point where it can be used as money, and we start to see these emergent properties of store of value, uh, medium of exchange, unit of account, then we're going to get it going. It's tough because it's still growing, but nothing has changed. Yeah. Yeah. But you're saying like, okay, so this cryptocurrency is not a sound investment is very volatile, but then you flip it and say, it's a proven no, authentic model. It's volatile. It's like, well, here's the thing. If you're, in my opinion, this is my personal, like the way I invest in this stuff. I, no, I understand the technology really, really, really well, better than most. 
And I also understand where, the, where the, a lot of the price hike came from over the past year or two. And that was pure speculation and not utility of the technology because the technology wasn't ready for it. That then became this massive hype cycle of people who were speculating on things they didn't quite understand and not based on the utility of the underlying technology. People weren't using it. They were buying it, holding it, hoping it's going to go up. That's not how this works. And so because I understand the technology, I'm in it for the long haul because I understand the possible implications it can have if, it's, if it succeeds. If it does the things that I think it can do based on the, you know, way it all works and how it's very very different than traditional infrastructure and the way computers talk to each other then it has a tremendous amount of potential in the future to do things that we aren't we can't do right now if that's the case by design it will be more expensive worth more than what it is now that's the bet that i'm personally making by buying into this and holding it is that i'm betting that in the future over probably many many ups and downs it will be worth more than it is now. And that's why I buy it and hold it. Now, well, Coinbase is still helping that narrative. Yeah, Coinbase but, is dramatically but, helping that narrative. No, they're just adding coins. And so if you're opening up your Coinbase, you're like, oh, what's this coin? Oh, it's 20 I'll cents. I'll buy 100. I'll tell you this much. They're doing a tremendous amount of due diligence on the legitimacy of those coins, the infrastructure that pushes those coins, the people around them that are developing those coins. If, if it gets added on Coinbase, I, can, I, I have very, very, very strong opinions that... There is a lot of legitimacy yeah. behind the I, people I'm not who are working on those things and the use case. One day. I'm not arguing that. I'm saying the people that are investing in those coins don't know the legitimacy. You're of right. Them. They're right. They're offloading that due diligence responsibility exactly. to Coinbase, putting it on there. They're trusting. And that's what this Coinbase. whole episode's about: to do your own due diligence. You're I don't right. think it's. I don't think it's a smart way. That's not. I this also. This episode's about fucking yourself. That's yeah. what <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so uh, I mean, yes. I I do say that like it's extremely risky, but it's got a proven track record. I mean, don't both take of my those word statements for it. Aren't false. In. Ask me questions. Like if you if you want to know how why I do stuff or like how something works, I'll tell you exactly how something works. And if I can't, I'll find somebody to do it. But I'll never tell you to go buy something and not and not give you the reasons why or why I feel that way. And then say if you if you feel the same way, then it might be worth worthwhile to you. But go check for yourself. Anybody that just says go buy it, don't worry about why, is an issue. Or, yeah. you know, I brought this up as an example this week. I mean, you had talked about once upon a time in Medium, you talked about Cardano and you laid out pros and cons, right? I don't think Ronnie was laying out pros and cons about Dignity Coin. I think he was only pumping up the pros. I'm sorry, promoting the, the pros. <laughs> yeah. So this was, this was a juicy episode. Um, if it's your first time listening, please subscribe to our things. There's lots of ways to find us. Like Corey said, the Bitcoin podcast done. Yep. We we have free content. We've talked about releasing premium content, but we never really put our 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 uh, ass to the fire and get it done. But maybe one day. Um but the Bitcoinpodcast.com is where you can find all of our stuff. We have a lot of shows now. It's a network of shows. Uh, more than enough cryptocurrency content for you to bite into in a week. And um, yeah, I don't think I have anything else to add. What do you guys? What do you guys get? Join the Slack. Ready? Go to Bitcoinpodcast dot com. Yeah. There's a button on the top that says Slack. That'll give you an invite to get here. Also, 
if you have comments on the episode or just comments for us, you can click on a new button on the top on the, on the nav bar of the webpage that says, what is it, record or like, what is it, D? Yeah, it's just something we're trying. You can record your voice if you want to like give a testimonial. Of, hey, I've listened to your show for a long time and it's the shit. I just wanted to tell you guys that. We'd love to put that on the air. So if you, you would just like to tell us to go fuck ourselves, you can do that too. <laughs> we'll probably yeah, play it on be, the show. <laughs> that would be amazing. Like, I'm tired of your voices and I wish you would go jump a bridge. We'll be like, whoa, that's extreme. But we're gonna play it on the show. <laughs> can anyone make like an EDM remix of Ronnie telling us to fuck ourselves? We'll play it on the show next week. I can put it to I can put a wall. Not off. you. You don't get to do it. I want a fan to do it. <laughs> yeah, let the fan. Be a sa- soundboard button for the future podcast so that you can yeah. just hit the button. Oh, that may be how I spend my weekend. We need an EDM remix of <laughs> "Go Fuck Yourself." Go 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 fuck yourself. <laughs> so, anyways, um, Ray, thank you again uh, for stopping by, guest hosting and guest interviewing. Um, well, it was cool. And if anybody is in Bermuda and wants to find me on Twitter, I, you can find me at rayredacted.com. That's rayredacted.com. Mm. Oh, real quick for the month of December, get out of the cold and cozy up with some actionable security tips every single day, and you can win prizes. Winner.mycrypto.com. Uh, you can win some books. Yeah, that's, so there. it's actionable security tips. So things you can actually do that day to better your personal security life and be a better internet citizen so that you don't get, you don't fall prey to phishing scams or people taking your password or things like that. Uh, okay. And if you sign up and you do all the things and you follow the rules, there's a chance you put yourself into winter prizes based on, you know, you get ledgers, a copy of our book, a bunch of t-shirts and swag, things like that, that also help you better your security life or just or entertaining and fun so winter.mycrypto.com they're awesome we're awesome everybody's yep. awesome Love except you guys. for ronnie uh shout out to <laughs> shout out to zoe saldana and zazi beats uh play the outro Yourself. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself.